Hello and welcome to another edition of Critical Q&A, the show where I answer your questions based on what you've left for me in the comments section of my Q&A videos or have sent to me by email at askchrisshelton at gmail.com. This is episode number 101. There was some trouble last week with the audio that I unfortunately did not really get nailed down as to what was going on until after the whole thing was over because I was so busy during my first live stream answering people's questions and looking at the chat window and handling this and handling that. But it looks like this little bugger right here uh, kind of messed us up a little bit uh, as far as interfering with the sound of my uh, webcam that I have. So anyway, it looks like that was the culprit and uh, I've gotten quite a bit of uh, technical stuff done this week where I've actually found out how to use my regular camera as a webcam and got some hardware to make that happen. So I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Um, but it was kind of unfortunate. And then, uh, anyway, that's sort of my explanation for why episode 100 sounded so crappy. Uh, well, I really just did not, uh, did not really like that, how that came out even, uh, even though I was very excited about the live stream and I did want to put out there that, um, with the, with the, you know, that being resolved, um, I would just like to know if you guys would like to see more of me doing live streaming. We talked about it a little bit. I threw it out there a little bit before, um, you know, weeks and weeks ago, um, when I first said, Hey, look, I'm going to think about doing this. And it was fun. And I'm thinking that there might be a lot more potential for live streaming on my channel. So, because uh, it enables me to be able to, to interact with you in a live fashion. But you guys tell me in the comments section what you'd like to see in regards to that. Because I don't want to, you know, overwork myself figuring all this stuff out and then have you guys go, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, if it's something you want, let me know. If it's something you don't want, also let me know. The other thing I wanted to let you guys know about is the day that this is posting on Sunday on CNN, uh, a guy named Riza Aslan has a show going called Believer, and he will be doing an, uh, an episode on the independent Scientology movement and on Scientology in general. And from the advertisements and um, promotional pieces for that show, I have seen, and from earlier things I've seen him talk about with Scientology, he seems to get his facts pretty wrong about Scientology. So I thought I would live tweet uh, during the show. So if you're on Twitter, you can uh, join me for that. And I thought I would do some fact checking on some of the things that he has to say. And then we'll see maybe about following that up with a video this week, uh, maybe deconstructing some of that. So if you're not there for the live tweeting or are curious about that, that's what I'm looking at doing this week. So we'll see how that goes. But I would invite you guys to join me. Um, for that. It'll be the first showing of, uh, of Believer. I'm not sure. I think that's 8 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. I'm not totally positive yet, but I think that's, I think it's, it shows at 8 o'clock and it will be the, whatever the first showing of the show is. Uh, and of course I'll be announcing that on, on Twitter and stuff. So anyway, that should be kind of fun. Now with all that, <laughs> let's go ahead and get on with your questions. Shane Park. I recently relocated to Florida for work, and I have three store locations that I manage in Clearwater. One is literally a block from Flag. My question is this. 
I have had a few Scientologists apply for positions within my company, and I can tell because they have work history on their resume stating they were tour guides or whatnot. While I would never discriminate against anyone for their religious beliefs, I do worry more about what another employee may say to that person about their beliefs. With the church's fair game policy, I'm worried about a Scientology employee getting upset because a coworker is committing suppressive acts and end up with a boycott outside of my store. Is this something I should worry about or is this irrational fear? Okay, thanks for the question, Shane. Um, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind in answering this question is, I don't know why your employees would be talking to each other about religious activities or beliefs in the first place, because um, I think that there'd be something you might want to talk to all of your employees about as maybe a policy to, uh, at least while they're on the job, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be talking about that stuff because it's really nobody else's business what somebody's religious beliefs are. And like you as an employer wouldn't discriminate against hiring somebody, whether they're a Scientologist or not. I don't think that employees can discriminate or get involved in that sort of thing either. Uh, there might be some legal questions with that. I'm no expert, so um, you know, check that out with uh, with uh, with a legal uh, you know lawyer. Um, but that would be the first thing I would say is I don't I don't even know why they'd be you know having those conversations. But um, because that that could lead to you know some kind of a of a harassment issue, which I think could happen with anybody anywhere having to do with any religion, right? Um, now, again, not a legal expert. It's just the first thing that I thought of, okay? So there's my layman, you know, layman's uh, uh, understanding of things there. And uh, maybe if there are any lawyers watching or anything, you can, you know, talk about this in the comments. Um, as far as Scientology specifically goes, Scientologists will be sensitive to being attacked or having anybody commenting negatively about their religion or their beliefs. Uh, they're not going to be down with that. And I don't know in a workplace situation that, that, you know, that they should have to put up with anything like that. Um, same way with a Christian or you know, anybody else, right? Regardless of whether I or anybody else feels it's correct that Scientology is recognized as a religion and has tax-exempt status, the legal fact of the matter is that it does. And it has First Amendment protection legally, and, um, and any employer who's dealing with Scientologists needs to understand that. It doesn't matter whether you think they should or not. They do. So that's a line you don't want to necessarily cross. Um, if two employees, you know, if a Scientologist and non-Scientologist were to kind of get into it, um, you wouldn't really, I don't think that the fair game policy of the church would really come into play with, with that individual Scientologist. Now, you know, because it tends to be an individual Scientologist in a non-church setting, okay? Uh, it's not like, you know, you or, you know, your, one of your employees is going down to the Clearwater, to the flag building and protesting or walking in there and giving them a hard time or directly attacking the church of Scientology. That is when the church tends to, you know, unroll its fair game machinations and start going after somebody. Uh, if you were protesting them, you bet they'd come over and start protesting your establishment. If you were online, you know, attacking them in some fashion, you bet that they would be taking an interest in you. The fact that you're in Clearwater 
and so close to Scientology means they're already going to be taking an interest in you. So that's just the, the fact of the matter being that, you know, within that kind of proximity to the Church of Scientology in Clearwater specifically, they're very, oh man, they got their tentacles out all over the place. Um, you know, this has been the subject of news stories recently uh, with David Miscavige's plans for downtown Clearwater. Aaron Smith-Levin, who has the Growing Up in Scientology channel, just posted a video about his thoughts on Scientology and Clearwater in downtown. So, you know, you can check that out. Um, but that's the church. Uh, that's different from an individual Scientologist, right? Individual Scientologists are told that there is no such thing as fair game. They don't, they don't you know, that, that, that the church doesn't do that kind of thing. The church tries to maintain some kind of plausible deniability with their members that they don't engage in harassment and, and uh, you know, badgering people and following them around and that sort of thing. They don't, they don't fess up to that with their own members, necessarily. Uh, not, unless the, not unless that individual member gets deep in with, with OSA. So, so an individual Scientologist isn't necessarily going to, all on his own bat, if he feels you know, attacked or something, he'll probably come and talk to you and say, hey, this is, this is going on and I'm not cool with it. Um, and you need to take action appropriately as, you know, as the employer, right? Um, but they're not going to go running over to the church, I don't think, you know, and say, we need to you know, organize a whole protest and boycott of that place. Uh, if you take responsible action as an employer, I don't think you really have anything to fear on that count, okay? And I hope that answer doesn't come across like I'm saying you need to kowtow to the Church of Scientology. I would say that about anybody giving anyone else in any situation a hard time about their religious beliefs in, in, a, in an employee or in a, in, a, in a work environment, right? Because you don't want to create a hostile work environment as the employer. Well, you can't have your employees creating a hostile work environment either. So, Anyway, that's, those are my thoughts on it, and like I said, I welcome any, any comments uh, about this uh, in the comment section. Jonathan Mark, do members of the Sea Org have ranks like sailors in real navies do? Do the ranks correspond to those in the U.S. Navy? What was your rank? Do those with lower ranks feel bitter about it? The Sea Organization has ranks and ratings. Um, it's a paramilitary group, which means that they uh, have uniforms uh, that are kind of naval in appearance uh, that they wear on dress, you know, dress occasions mostly. Very few Sea Org members have to wear those uniforms all the time because most of the Sea Org is uniformed in more um, business sort of normal looking attire. And But all Sea Org members do have ranks. And the lowest one, it starts with um, a, a petty officer, uh, th third class. Well, first, sorry, first there's a swamper. Uh, when you come into the Sea Org and you have no rank, you're a swamper. And then you have petty officer statuses, third class, second class, first class, chief petty officer. And as you get promoted higher than that, you go into the officer statuses. And I don't have all these memorized, but it goes like uh, warrant officer, ensign, you know, a couple other things. Um, there's a lieutenant, lieutenant, or lieutenant JG, which is junior grade. Then there's lieutenant, and then there's captain, and... And uh, captain is pretty much the highest rank that anyone in the Sea Org can attain because above that is Commodore, which is only L. Ron Hubbard. David Miscavige is the only person who's got captain ranking as, a, as his own permanent rank. 
Um, in the Sea Org, you also have um, what are called brevet ranks, um, which I think is a is a is a non Sea Org term. I think that's a, an actual naval term or or military term, but that's a temporarily assigned rank given to you because of the nature of your job or or position. So senior Scientology executives in the Sea Org have ranks of captain or commander or something like that uh, or lieutenant, but um, and they get, you know, those bars, they get like three or four, four bars, I think is captain, three bars, I think is, uh, is, um, you know, commander or lieutenant or something like that. Um, but those brevet ranks come and go depending on the job that you're doing. Um, David Miscavige is captain David Miscavige, and that's not a brevet rank. He actually holds that rank, whereas all the other senior executives in Scientology, uh, are brevet rank captains or commanders or, you know, whatever their, their status is. Uh, promotions occur in the Sea Org on Sea Org Day. There are supposed to be mid-year rank and rating ceremonies where you can apply for promotion. If you want to get promoted in the Sea Org, you have to apply for it. It has a whole form you have to fill out and you have to run around and get signatures that you're attending study and doing well on your post and your statistics are going up and people generally, you know, you're good ethically, you're not getting in a lot of trouble. I mean, it's a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through and it takes like a day to get all this stuff filled out and you have to do it all around your other job duties and stuff. So uh, Sea Org Day happens, I think it's in August. That's the anniversary of the founding of the Sea Org, and, and Sea Org Day is where they have a big rank and rating promotion ceremony where everybody who's applied for promotion, who was approved by the uh, Officer Selection Board, the OSB, um, if their application was approved, then they get bumped up in, in rank, and that's how you move up the ranks. And it's kind of a sore, you know, you asked about resentment or bitterness. Uh, what, what people feel bitter about in the Sea Org is the fact that it's so damn hard to move up because you have to jump through all these hoops to fill out this application. Um, you know, if your senior wants to promote you, uh, they have to fill out the application for you and they got to go run around and do all that. Who's got time for that in the Sea Org? I'll tell you right now, very few people. So, you know, there's a lot of people who sit there and just sort of gnash their teeth, <laughs> you know, on the promotion day because they didn't get promoted because... Uh, they couldn't apply for it because they didn't have the time to, right? Um, or they did apply for it, ran through, you know, ran around all day, jumped through all those hoops, and then they got it rejected for some reason. Usually, some arbitrary personal reason, like the person looking at the form didn't doesn't like them, or they recently did something bad, or got in trouble, and it, it, you know, so much for all your hard work for the last year. So uh, that's kind of how it works in the Sea Org. It's all kind of silly. And uh, it's not like when you get higher rank, you get more pay, you don't. You get more status, you don't. You just get more shit piled on you, really, because as a higher ranking person, you're supposed to be taking more responsibility and supervising people generally and, and you know, being more of a, a demonstration or example of, of you know, a high ranking Sea Org member. So it's really just, you know, that's the other reason why people get a little bit bitter about the whole rank thing is because there are no privileges assigned to having a higher rank. It's not like you get to sit at a better table, you get better food, you get better pay or better quarters. Nah, nobody cares about any of that, right? So, uh, so all it really means is on Sea Org Day, you get to wear 
a uniform that has a little bit, you know, more bars on it on your sleeve, or you get a, you know, your your uh, epaulets have uh, more bars on them, and so you get to show off, right? And uh, and that's that's really about it. So that's ranks. J. Ed, I'm in the actual Navy as an enlisted maintenance person. As I watch your videos, I notice many techniques used on military personnel that also seem to be used on Scientology staff. Examples include renaming a questionable task to give it a more legitimate feeling, a spirit of cause over self, and definitely thought control. It makes me wonder whether Fearless Leader, LRH, got many of his human control techniques from the Navy for the few years that he served. It seems that, as a Lieutenant JG, he would have been exposed only to a little of the manipulation techniques that are taught to naval leaders. Still, nothing is more dangerous than someone with a little knowledge. Your thoughts? I think Hubbard picked up um, mental control techniques uh, through his own development and through his experience, and I'm sure that definitely would have included his time in the Navy. He was involved in uh, Marine Drill Corps in college, uh, and then he joined the Navy, you know, come around time of World War II. So he was familiar with, from a young age, with uh, drilling, close order, right, uh, being a, the senior-junior relationship, the effect it has on people when you yell at them, um, you know, the, the difference between, um, you know, the carrot and the stick. Uh, so I, you know, and I think he paid attention to that stuff because he also, and of course, as a pathological liar, he used that too, to, uh, learn how to manipulate and control people. And he also knew how to do hypnotism. Uh, he like, like legitimately, he learned how to do that. I don't know where he learned, but he, but he definitely knew. And he used that and all of the various control techniques that one learns as a hypnotist, and there's a lot that you learn about people, and um, and also, you know, having the mindset of being somebody who would be willing to hypnotize people, control people, you know, run them, um, you know, that that coming from that place would also give him a, a curiosity of what else would work, what other things could he do that would uh, that would get people to be at his bidding. And if you read his affirmations, uh, which are in the appendix of my book or are available online, the L. Ron Hubbard affirmations, you'll see that he very much was obsessed with controlling people and, and bending them to his will. So he was somebody who took a keen interest in anything that would further that end for him. So I'm sure that he paid all kinds of attention in the Navy uh, to whatever you know it is that naval leaders learn about that you alluded to in your question. I've never been in the Navy and I haven't really talked to anybody in the military about, uh, directly about those kind of uh, education and what they're taught as to how to be a, an officer or a supervisor or in a senior position. So I'm not sure what's, what's actually there, but that's my general answer to your question is that, uh, that yeah, I'm sure that's the case that Hubbard learned from, from things in the Navy and from other places too. Lots of Turner. I've been watching a lot of your videos and really enjoy your perspective. My question is, did you FaceTime with David Miscavige during your tenure in Scientology? If you did, can you describe what those interactions were like? Yeah, I did interact with David Miscavige a couple times. I didn't work at the Gold Base or Int Management, so I didn't work day by day with him. I worked in Los Angeles, and from time to time he would come down to LA and do tours and inspections and 
the first time I ever saw or met him actually was when I flew to Clearwater, Florida in 1996 for a conference that he was giving uh, to a lot of the uh, Scientology technical people. There were, there were a whole bunch of people called to Clearwater from staff uh, from all the orgs around the world. So there was a conference being held. It was, the, it was what's called the Senior Case Supervisor Conference or Senior CS Conference. And I'm not even going to get into explaining what that is. But it was a, it, one, one person from every org in the world had to go. And then the management people over those guys had to go. So there was, you know, a um, hundred and something of these senior CSs. And then there were about six or seven of us management type people who were there being briefed for three days by him directly on what turned out to be the golden age of tech. And he was pretty intense. He um, kind of came off as, a, as, as kind of pissed all the time, um, or at least very, you know, sort of fierce about it because he was giving us this briefing because, of course, we had all, over the years, all of us, meaning all of Scientology, had been doing it wrong, according to him, and he was now uh, fixing it. And he was, you know, I'm, I'm fixing it, and, and you guys have been screwing this up, and so here we go, right? And I'm going to brief you guys on all the ways you've been screwing it up. So that wasn't uh, really a lot of fun, although at the time, being enamored with him and, and feeling, you know, that fear, feeling that the, idea, that the, the, the feelings of fear and, and uh, anxiety that I was feeling were, in my mind, I was calling that uh, respect, right, and admiration, but what it really was, was, oh God, please don't call on me, you know, sort of thing, don't look at me, don't pay attention to me, and I didn't have any personal one-on-one interaction with him during that conference. Years later, um, he came around a few times at the PAC base and Pacific base, the big blue buildings in Los Angeles, where I worked, I saw him, uh, interacted with him directly one time when he came around to my office, walked up, uh, you know, kind of poked his head in. We were like, whoa, I was having a conversation with another person I worked with. We both stood up because you're supposed to stand when he comes around. And we're like, yes, sir, you know, and he asked me some questions about my training for my job and told me that I needed to do auditor training for my job because I had not done that yet. I think this was 1999 or so. And I was like, yes, sir, absolutely, sir, right? And then uh, it was interesting because after he left, no less than five people came around within minutes wanting to know what he said, what he ordered, what did I say, right? And, uh, And wrote it all down. And within minutes, I was spirited off to the training officer to get a whole, you know, series of, an, of uh, courses and, and stuff that I was now going to do because he had ordered it. Uh, never mind what policy said. Policy said I was supposed to train on this and this and this. And instead, all that was thrown aside because I now had to comply with David Miscavige's orders. So that was how that went down. And that was... That was the last direct communication I had with him. I think there was one or two other times when he came around where I saw him or said yes sir to him in some fashion or another, but it wasn't a direct conversation, right? Um, So that's my experience directly with David Miscavige. Indie Girl, do you enjoy talking about Scientology? 
Wouldn't an ex-Scientologist at some point just get tired of the subject and want to move on and focus on other things of interest? Don't get me wrong, I love watching your videos and think what you do is of great value, but aren't you bored of it yet? It's been an interesting experience putting myself out here and talking about Scientology as much as I have. Um, I realized the other day I've got over 300 videos, most of them having to do with Scientology. And believe me, when I started this, I had no idea or intention of putting out that much content about this subject. But it's been of such interest to people, and there have been so many things to talk about with it, from its recruitment to its sales to the, you know, the hard sell and all that, the abuses of the organization and all the details of how the organization works. And people just seem to be endlessly fascinated by this, which is why I kind of keep putting it out there. And they also seem to be getting helped by my channel, which is the other reason why I keep doing this, talking about this subject. You've seen on my channel, if you've been paying attention for any length of time, that I have been expanding the subject matter and content of my channel on purpose because I, um, you know, this isn't a thing that I will be able to talk about forever. There is a finite number of things to say about the subject of Scientology, uh, but I haven't hit that point yet. Sometimes I get a little bored with it, but I also know that I'm helping people, and I know that because they tell me that I am. Not just, wow, Chris, this was really interesting or informative, but I'm talking about emails and private communications I get from people that, that let me know that they were staff members or they were Scientologists and they saw my stuff or read my book, and as a result, they have gotten out and escaped. I am very happy about that. That's, that was the, the first thing that I wanted to accomplish with this channel. And if I'm still accomplishing it, then I feel a little bit of an obligation to continue with it uh, in, that, in that regard. But I also, you know, like I said, have been expanding the content out on different but related fields and uh, some things that aren't related at all, but are of very much of an interest to me. Um, you know, some, some of the things on my podcast and some of the videos on critical thinking, which I, which I think are directly related, but some people might not make the connection right away between Scientology stuff and critical thinking stuff, but to me, they're, you know, hand in glove. So I'm going to, you know, kind of keep going at this. Um, and, uh, and like I said, sometimes I'm, you know, kind of bored of it and sometimes I'm not. So I guess, it, you know, like everybody else, I think it depends on the you know, how my, how my day is going and how inspired I get about something that maybe I've recalled about the topic or some, you know, part of it that hasn't been particularly talked about before. Like the video I made recently about Scientology's, um, I think I called it the Scientology's to Totally Insane Recruitment Methods or something like that. Uh, you know, nobody's really talked about that before. Um, and I wrote an article about it a long time ago and then I made a video about it because I wanted to talk about it in more detail. And of course, you know, the only people who are giving me a hard time about that are the people who actually believe in conspiracy theories. Well, okay, I guess, sorry guys, but you know, that's what Scientology uses to recruit people. So, uh, yeah, not, not cool. So anyway, I'm just kind of going on here, but that's, um, that's sort of my feelings about the whole thing. And I think that it will continue for a while as I get um, the rest of the big ticket items that I still have on my agenda to get done. I'll get those things done, and then we'll see. You know, we'll see where we, where we go with this. That sound indicates that it is time for flash answers. Dear Racer, 
I would like to know why Anonymous has not been so active when it comes to Scientology protests. What happened with Scientology versus Anonymous lately? Yeah, not a lot. Anonymous was really big on Scientology back in 2008, 9, 10. Um, then interest waned. And, and uh, according to the people that I know who are involved in Anonymous, uh, the, 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 the activity itself has moved on. And the, the members who were active, you know, we're talking about 10 years ago now that that all went down. They've grown up. They've moved on. They've, they're doing other things. Anonymous as an activity is doing other things. Scientology was never meant to be their, you know, nemesis forever. And, uh, and I think a lot of them, you know, kind of considered it was mission accomplished because they dealt a very, very powerful blow to Scientology. And they said, okay, good. We're, we're done with that. And they moved on to something else. Matthew Jones. When a new org opens, we see a Scientology video of a very nice-looking building with nice-looking interiors and course rooms, etc. I have noted that some of these buildings are many stories high, and I surmise from this that they must have many rooms. In these videos, we see the entrance, lobby, and presumably the lower floors. What about all the other rooms in the building? The second, third, and fourth, and so on. Are they all closed off and still dilapidated inside? Nope. Every room, fully renovated, beautiful building, top to bottom, inside and out. That's the standard for an ideal org before it opens. There's no, uh, you know, maybe up in the attic or in the, you know, sub-basements or something, there might be some dilapidated, unrenovated spaces. But, um, but that's, you know, the kind of back, back, back area or something. All the spaces that the staff and public operate in are all fully, fully renovated. Maybe James, has learning about critical thinking changed your view on any other of your beliefs? For example, did you ever believe in any government cover-ups, paranormal entities, the Illuminati, etc.? Are there any conspiracies that you think may have elements of truth behind them? Well, go ahead and check out that video that I was just talking about. I just posted it a few weeks ago and I talk about my uh, beliefs in conspiracy theories. There's also another video I made about why I hate conspiracy theories, and I think that's what it's called, <laughs> which is in the critical thinking playlist on my channel. Um, you'll get all my thoughts about global conspiracy theories. As to whether I believe in any conspiracies at all, yeah, of course I do, because it's been proven that there have been tons of conspiracies that have occurred in history, politically, in uh, religious groups, and business. I mean, Enron could be considered a conspiracy. Watergate was very much a conspiracy. I happen to think that there's a conspiracy going on right now uh, in the White House and within the Trump administration in regards to its ties with, uh, with Russia and, and uh, some of the election nonsense that went on. So, um, so that's a conspiracy. You have more than one person involved in you know, an activity which has not been uh, broadly known about where they were working together to do something that was not particularly above the boards. That kind of thing happens every day. I don't have a problem with conspiracies. I have a problem with conspiracy theories on a global scale with 12 men running the lives of everybody on the planet and trying to make us all into uh, human cattle where it's us versus them and stuff. I I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I don't even like it. To me, all of that stuff, the, the David Icke lizard people thing, the Alex Jones FEMA camps and, and uh, you know, the Obama deception and all the things that Alex Jones tends to rail and rail on about Pizzagate and this sort of thing, which Alex Jones just had to apologize for. 
uh, I find those things ludicrous. And they're ludicrous because they break down to the most simple uh, of critical thinking. And when you start digging into why are they saying this, what facts do they have supporting it, none. There's none. So it's all kind of silly. And that's those, those are the conspiracy theories that I don't agree with. Okay, folks, so we've reached the end of another episode. I um, did not mention at the beginning of the show, but I, um, so for those of you who are still listening, you're going to get the benefit of this. I created a new page on my blog, mncriticalthinking.com, which is the critical Q&A questions. And I've listed every question I've answered from episode one forward. Um, I think I went a few back that I need to still fill in. I think the last three or four episodes or something. Um, but all the questions are there on one searchable page. So if you are wondering whether you have a question that I might have already answered, you can go to my blog, mncriticalthinking.com, and you can click on the Critical Q&A Questions button, which is at the top of the screen on the, in the menu, and go to that page, and you can search that page and see what, I've, what questions I've answered uh, in every episode of this that I've done from the beginning. So... Uh, that was a little bit of work to put together. It's still a work in progress because I'm creating links to each of the individual episodes. You'll see if you look at the page. Um, but I wanted to put that resource there because I know this has been a problem after, you know, so many episodes. And I totally, totally spaced on mentioning it in the 100th episode, which is where I was going to, uh, hey, surprise, that's what I did, you know, sort of thing. So I'm mentioning it now. So thank you very much for watching the show. You can check that out uh, on my blog. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.